0: We're in uh, Matthew 27. We ended last time at verse 31. So we're moving now into verse 32. And uh, on the verse that I have before us on the screen, this is a painting of Jesus and uh, Simon of Cyrene. Sometimes you see an artist did not do a halo with a circle that we often see halos. This guy does a halo a little bit differently. It's just sort of, what would you call that? like three spikes coming out of Jesus' head. Did you say starburst? Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that, I like that. Um, So anyway, that was this artist's uh, impression. So I'm just going to read the text and keep going here. Um, As they were going out of the city, they found a man of, of Cyrene named Simon. They forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Cyrene is a city in North Africa, Quite a bit west of Egypt. Um, So it's one of the Phoenician colonies that's over there. Um, In fact, when, if you remember the story of Paul shipwrecked and they land on the island of Malta, uh, they were, the ship was heading for the coast of Cyrene. And it might actually have run aground there in Africa um, if they had not landed on Malta. And that would have been. Worse for the ship than the shipwreck even was, because those uh, that that area um, on northern Africa near where modern Tunisia is, right in the center of northern Africa, is the the, the shallows um, just are unpredictable, and a ship might be shipwrecked on basically on grounding on sand miles from shore so that a sailor who can't swim would not be able to make it to shore without drowning um, because of the the undulations of the sand dunes and stuff under the the water. Anyway, that's where he's from. But his family, we were talking about this before class, his family seems to have uh, uh, gone to Rome later on. And Paul will mention them in Romans chapter 16. Um, His uh, sons Alexander and Rufus... Uh, Mark mentions those sons in this same context in Mark 15. And so I think that was the connection between Simon of Cyrene and the Roman Christians. So they, they, they would say, oh, a guy from our church was there at the crucifixion. He carried, you, boys, your dad carried the cross of Christ. So it was a, I think it was a big deal in, uh, in Rome for them to have that you know, in, their, in their fellowship there. So good evening, Herb. Good to see you. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Anybody know the Latin name? You grew up learning it. Calvary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe that you could always tell a Christian historian um, because... Uh, It's almost impossible for a Christian to properly pronounce a military unit made up of horses. Do you know what that's called? It's supposed to be pronounced cavalry, but most of us say cavalry. Do you remember a a TV show back in the 80s by uh, Ken Burns? Uh, It was a documentary on the Civil War a pretty famous documentary. Kids today actually have to watch it in middle school or in high school, the Civil War. I have MLC's old videotape copies because they went to DVDs now, but I got to have the VHS. (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, a guy interviewed in that series named Shelby Foote, a famous Southern historian, cannot, to save his life, he cannot say cavalry properly. He talks about the horse soldiers all the time, but he always says cavalry. So you're, I'm like, yeah, that's a Christian. He doesn't know the other word. Um, so uh, on your sheet, I have the other pronunciation. In Hebrew, this would be called something different. It would be called hugglegoth because Hebrew puts the definite article of a word, the the word, like English does at the beginning of the word. You know, we would say the hill, and in Hebrew, they would do the same thing, the hill. But in Aramaic, Aramaic is a weird language they stick the definite article at the end of a word. They call it a determinative. And so instead of hugglegoth, it becomes Golgotha with the article at the end. Weird? Oh, you've learned something. Yeah, weird. Aramaic is an odd language to learn. Um, it also makes me understand why in the Old Testament there's a scene where the Assyrian commander is speaking Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem, and the guys, the priests up on the up on the up on the ramparts of the city say, "Speak to us in Aramaic. We understand that." And the field commander says, "No. I want the people to understand me because you're going to be drinking your own wee wee and eating your own poo poo." I think he used different words, but that's what the text of Kings says. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, so the people, even though Aramaic and Hebrew are very closely related, as closely as English and German, I think, yet a native speaker of one can't necessarily understand the other. You know, I mean, how similar are English and German? What's father in German? Vater. You know, it's, it's, um, and mother is mutter. I mean, they're almost the same language. But somebody who speaks English can't just understand German usually. So, all right. Place of the skull. Uh, Calvary today looks exactly like this. This is a photograph of it. Um, and uh, so there's a gigantic church there. Um, and uh, the church was, the beginnings of the church were built in the 4th century. Um, and uh, it, um, below the church is some of the quarry left over. That, that was there in the area. That's where the tombs were. Um, and uh, the, the church is quite massive. It has several chapels inside gathered around. So it completely encompasses what used to be, evidently, the hill of of Calvary and the, and the tomb. Um, but not just in this huge church. Um, uh, maybe about the same size as St. Paul's is. From you know this way, the a city block you know with chapels inside all around, um, so every denomination can have its own little chapel to have services. Whether you know you're Eastern Orthodox, you're Roman Catholic, you're Russian Orthodox, um, you know you're Anglican or whatever, Lutheran, you can have your own place in there. Um, the uh, Romans, uh, the 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 location was discovered when the Romans were still around in the 4th century, the 300s, in the year 325, Constantine the Great was the emperor of Rome. His mom took a trip, a vacation, while Constantine was chairing the meeting at Nicaea, where the Nicene Creed was written in 325. His mom took a vacation to the Holy Land because she wanted to find out where stuff was. She was the first person to do it. Nobody else had ever gone to actually discover for Christianity where all the geography was. Because before this, if somebody wanted to draw a map of Israel, they would the Sea of Galilee would be a circle, and then there would be a line, and the Dead Sea would be a circle. It looked like a barbell, you know, like a cartoon barbell. It didn't look anything like it actually looks like. Well, Helena went down to see what it actually looks like and where were things and about how many miles or in her reckoning leagues. Anybody know what a league is to us? Two and a half, almost three miles is a league. Yeah, and she so she measured everything in her own measurements and stuff. But she found out by asking the locals who were still part of the Roman Empire, where did they usually crucify people here? And she got taken out the west door uh, this was the main street. It's the, it's the highway that goes down to Joppa, where all the travelers would come from. That's where they would crucify most of the people. And the Romans had already cut, evidently, Golgotha. They had cut it and excavated a bunch of it. Why? To make a, a wider street. Exactly like when you're driving out west and you go through a hill, you know, that interstate, go- and you got hill on this side and hill on this side, you know, and you just see kind of rock. It was that kind of a thing. The Romans just plowed right through it. Not because they wanted to deface you know, this holy site. They had no idea. But just because they wanted a wider street. Well, one little fragment of Golgotha was left. And uh, here you see it in side view. If you look at the gray thing on the right with the cross above it, there was just one little knob of that hill that still remained and Helena insisted that they enshrine it, and so she built a church around it. Um, it's still there. And they—I th- they, mean, she thought that's where the cross was. What are the odds of that being the exact spot where Jesus' cross actually... St- I mean, yeah, that was the hill, but that may not have been the spot on the hill, if you will. You know? But nevertheless, it's nearby to some natural caves... Which are not, they weren't really caves, they were excavations for quarrying. But all of, the, all of the good stone had been quarried out, but they were often used as tombs. And the tomb that, that it's reasonable to assume was probably this one or this one, were the tomb of Christ. They're very close to where the hill was. About the distance from the back doors of the church to the altar. So very close by. Um, where it was, where, where, where there was a natural tomb there. Um, so this is all uh, the side view of what the actual uh, uh, church looks like today, this cathedral. okay. Before I go on, any questions about Golgotha? Where do we, there's maybe more to say, but anybody? There, there were uh, some archaeologists who thought that maybe it was up north, Above, on the north end of the city rather than on the west end, but because there's a highway up there too and a gate and so forth, but it's reasonable to assume that. The thing about Helena discovering this is that when she went and asked people, they weren't thinking about tourism, they were just answering questions honestly. Today, if you go, it's all about tourism. Therefore, if this is where I usually spend my day and I can make money by p- having people come here, I'm going to tell people this is where this happened. You know, and so forth. So later on, it became impossible to figure out where stuff was. But Helena probably had the best shot at actually discovering things back in the early 4th century. Okay. Clear enough? Clear as mud? Moving on. They offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. So gall, naturally occurring chemical in the body, they not not a human in this case not a human body, but um, it would deaden the nerves. And Jesus, this is the first drink Jesus was offered. He refused it. Um, he didn't want his nerves to be deadened. He wanted to feel the pain. Very unusual, um, but but he he. He he didn't want it. You see the guy on the right? He's got kind of a what is that? A golden robe or whatever. His uh, that's a that's a pretty odd uh, uh, container to hold up a sponge with. Um, you know, I would sooner think that, this reminds me of the game I used to play as a child where you'd try to get the ball into the little cup on a string. I don't even know what that thing's called. Is it just called a ball and a cup on a string? I don't know. It used to come in Cheerios. But uh, this, I would think that he would probably have used a hyssop plant. Hyssop is a very branchy twiggy kind of a thing and you just break off a piece and you've got like a back scratcher. Or in the book of Exodus, in Exodus 12, they used up even as paintbrushes. Um, but it would easily hold a sponge. Where would they have gotten a sponge, by the way, in Palestine in the first century? Don't say Menards. <laughs> Mediterranean Sea. Yeah. Um, there, would, there There would have been, you know, a, a frightening number of sponges. It would have been everywhere. There you been know. To Terrapin Springs, Florida. I have not. It's a sponge capital of something of Florida of the or of the or of, or of, or of, the, or of the our continent or whatever. Yeah. So So, Terrapin Springs, Florida. Terrapin Springs. It's hmm. on the um, Gulf side. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, cool sponges. But the other the other guy, do you see in the stained glass? This is an odd piece of stained glass. It Jesus uh, halo here looks a little bit more like a life preserver than a halo. And then and he's and does Jesus look like he's terrified of that of that spear? Yeah, no, looks no. like it's a feather and they're tickling him. It's uh, it's just kind of an odd uh, picture. But the guy who actually stabbed Jesus didn't do it till he was dead. You know, I'll talk about that a little bit later. This is, this is about the spot where anything I was going to say that might be humorous in the crucifixion ends. So I hope you've enjoyed it because it's not going to be so funny from here on in. All right. After they crucified him, they divided his clothing among themselves by casting lots. I had thought about going up to the Way of the Cross here in town and taking pictures of the stations. They're not very well lit though. Unless I would have had my own light source. I suppose the back of a phone would do it. My son's phones all have, you know, that. um, But I I didn't even think about that. Um, But it used to be hard to take pictures of that. But these are just other pictures that I found. But the guys cast lots. There were probably a squad of four soldiers, or maybe five if the centurion was part of the, you know, was was not part of the four. But they uh, took his clothes. So his robe, you'd think kind of rude. You know, but I mean, he's dying. So what do they care? They just get the stuff. So, but he would have um, uh, the main robe, and then a shirt, uh, maybe one other covering, and then uh, his his sandals or his shoes. That they would have. They would have. Um, it might may even have had stockings, but I doubt it. But. They would have uh, cast lots for this. And Psalm 22:18, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Psalm 22 is very much the psalm of the crucifixion. Um, I don't have all the references here, but I am running through, I sh- no, not running through. I am walking through Psalm 22 right now in the email devotions so that during these two weeks, last two weeks of Lent, we'll hear all of that. Um, yeah, Mark? That's in John's Gospel, but right, they didn't want to divide. He had one piece of a single, singly woven piece, just a beautiful long piece, and they didn't want to tear it. Yeah, good. So we get now to what crosses were like. Uh, when I was at the seminary, one of my uh, tasks as a librarian, because I was that nerdy, uh, to uh, uh, so I worked um, uh, translating uh, title pages of books in Latin, Greek, you know, German, uh, sometimes Hebrew, and other things, and uh, even other, even more difficult languages, a couple of us did, and um, one of the books that I worked on uh, was a small book of woodcuts of all the different kinds of crucifixion instruments, it was uh not a, not a very pleasant thing to go through. Um, this is not from that book. But this shows the basics of, of a Roman crucifixion. Um, many ancient peoples knew that if you take a piece of wood, you know, like uh, uh, a sawed-off telephone pole, something fixed to the ground, um, and you tie a guy up to it, he'll be dead in two and a half days. The, the, the Aztecs, the Incas, they all knew by noon of the third day, he'll be dead, period. Period. Um, that's, that's just what happens. Then the Romans found out that they could make that hurt more. So that's when they began to play with the idea of nails and raising somebody up. There, were, there was also information that came down to the Romans from the Persians because the Persians and the Scythians would impale people on things that maybe are the, the, the new translation of Esther, I think has Haman not hanged from a gallows, but impaled on a 75-foot-tall piece of wood. Um, you know, And I mean impaled like a marshmallow, you know, all the way down. Um, but the Romans found out that if you spread a guy's arms out, that his death becomes even more protracted. And he actually dies of a very strange condition in a desert. A man drowns because he cannot exhale properly. So he can inhale, but he can't exhale properly. If you ever on on uh, on uh, on Broadway, and you s- oh, mark to that. I'm talking about that exact thing. So if you ever are on Broadway, and a, and a and a and a and a guy in a pickup truck pulls up next to you and guns his engine, and you can tell he's going to pull out fast because. Guys in trucks have to do that apparently. Um, watch him and watch what comes out of his tailpipe, because what comes out, what comes shooting out of his tailpipe, David? Well, no. What what comes shooting out of the tailpipe of a of a car? No. Water. Water. Where'd the water come from? Water is a product of the internal combustion engine. Which is why, uh, Jameis, when you get your driver's license and you have your first car, you, no matter what your parents think, sorry, Laura, you have to take it out on the highway uh, two, three times a month, at least once a week, and get it up to highway speeds or it will begin to rust out the whole uh, uh, exhaust system. Because you have to get the water out of there. That means, and in, for us in New Ulm, it means at, very, at the very least, you've got to drive to Sleepy Eye and get an ice cream cone and drive back to New Ulm. <laughs> I was going to say, you can drive to a good 20 minutes. Yeah, now, yeah, it's, it's, it's quicker to get to Sleepy Eye these days than to. And, and Sleepy Eye has ice cream cones. Okay. Um, and you get the paradox. Because in New Ulm, the sign says 8 miles to Sleepy Eye, and in Sleepy Eye, the sign says 13 miles to New Ulm. So you get that strange, otherworldly paradox? Look at the signs. Yeah. It's because they measure from from there, from where the sign is. They don't measure to the other sign. They measure to the town center. So that's why it's a different distance, even though the signs are, anyway, it took me a while to figure that out. At least that's my theory. Or maybe they're just wrong. I don't know. Said, the- <laughs> Let's go on with the crucifixion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the traditional Roman, I'm going to move on to this, to this slide. The traditional Roman cross was like the capital T that I have there. Um, just to you get the, the arms out, usually tie them on and then nail them. The, the nail is to ensure that the arms cannot budge. The ropes are there to ensure that the person doesn't fall off. Um, but the nail is there to really get the lungs into a position where you cannot exhale properly. So you can inhale all you want. You just can't get rid of it. You can't expel the stuff. Because what happens when you breathe on a mirror? Water comes out. That's the same thing. Water is one of the products of respiration as well. Um, But if you're being crucified, you don't get that effect. The water stays in. So when the guy stabbed Jesus, what came out? Water and blood from his lung. Yeah. Uh, In the middle, I have that sort of weird pattern of I's and H's. That's to represent, uh, they they sometimes used a kind of a rack, where they would have maybe multiple crucifixions, and they would just have a a big... uh, scaffold or something and maybe just hang the guys. That was a later Roman thing and not an earlier Roman thing. I don't, I don't think they used it in Jesus' time, but they might have a guy, you know, like several guys just kind of hooked up on there as a quick way of doing it. Um, below that is an X, commonly called the St. Andrew's Cross. You see many flags in Europe that have an X shape, flag of Greece, uh, flag of of uh, Scotland uh well Britain has uh has actually two overlapping St. Andrew's crosses and a traditional Roman cross because it's a union of three kingdoms it's Scotland Wales and and Britain you know so that's that's why the United Kingdom has that strange shaped flag and so forth um but St. Andrew's cross, the X cross, is also the pattern that they would use when they might nail a guy to an actual tree. Arms kind of up in the air like a Y shape and then legs kind of sticking out. For, for Forgive the image I'm giving you with my body here, but like kind of like that. And then at the bottom is the more traditional Roman cross where the piece comes up um, over the top. What is that little piece at the top for? It's to nail the placard, the sign to. And since Jesus had a sign, we know that that was his cross. Okay? So, I also want to help you with, uh, there's some other images, I'm not going to go past those, but this piece of ancient graffiti, which is from Corinth, um, is a, a magnificent testimony to the ancient Tradition of Christ's crucifixion because this is an anti-Christian satire. This is a jackass on a cross and the wording, which by the way is terrible penmanship. Okay? But it's a great... And it, what it says is Alexander, basically, or Alexandrinus, worshiping his God. And it's a jackass that's been crucified. So, but... Uh, Really, really poor lettering, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you see the IX in the bottom right-hand corner? What does IX stand for? No. It's the initials for Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, uh, so you have the, the actual graffito on the left and then a, a, a tracing, basically, on the right of uh, of what this was, but um, so somebody uh, thought that they were making fun of Christ and of Christians for worshiping him. But also, I wanted to show you this because it's a testimony to help you when the Jehovah's Witnesses ring your doorbell in two weeks, which they will, and try to convince you that you've got the story of the crucifixion wrong. Because Jesus must have been, they'll say, impaled on a stake and not crucified on a cross. And of course, what's the answer? I don't care. But he was crucified for my sins. And he was crucified for your sins too. Yes? I just a question. In Eastern Orthodox of the cross, they have like a little slash at the bottom. It's a Roman cross, but then it's like. Yeah, it's got a little double sometimes, even too. Yeah. Um, that's. I, I'm not exactly sure what that little thing is, unless it's where they think that the ribbon went or something like that. Um, but I, yeah, I know about that, and I'm not really sure. It's just that whenever you see that, you know that that's the kind of cross it is. It's just like when you see a, uh, an, an Irish cross, there's like a circle in the middle of it yeah. and things like that. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't have that piece. No, it's okay. I was but everybody knows i don't know anything so i'll uh, i'll try to do better i will i will try i will try to do better maybe you can share that with us next time that'd be cool that's your assignment so this 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 piece of graffiti however tells you that it wasn't just the middle age the medieval german woodcuts like this or the medieval paintings like this that gave us the shape of the cross but that Ever ever since the first century, that was the impression people had of the cross. So, um, this is actual actual archaeology also of what a crucifixion would have been like. Because uh, what's on the left is a reconstruction. What's on the right is what they actually found: a nail through the um, the part of the of your of your foot where the big bone, the big the big ball joint is. You know the, the fat part. Um, now, Jesus was probably not crucified this way because he had nail prints in his foot. I don't, that, that would mean that his feet were nailed to the sides of the cross, like as if you're riding a horse, like that's your spurs or something like that, but maybe nailed, but it makes sense for him to be nailed you know, more, more forward, but not sure. Whatever it was, he had nail prints in his feet and hands. So, this way. Which also tells you who, who else, he wasn't impaled because he had nail prints in his feet and hands. You know. All right, let's move on. 36, then they sat down and were keeping watch over him there. So the, the squad of soldiers just sits down because they have a long haul ahead of them, hours in some cases, maybe even days, before the guy is dead. And they're there um, not only to put the, the guys up, but to take them down and get rid of the bodies afterwards. So they had that to do. That's also uh, one more piece of evidence that suggests that they were on the west side of the city and not the north side because it would be closer to the valley of Ben-Hinnom or Gehenna where they would have pitched robbers' bodies into a into a mass grave. So that it would be an easier walk, you know. Um... As you look at artwork of the crucifixion, which isn't everybody's Google search every day, but if you follow artwork of the crucifixion through the centuries and you pay attention just to what the soldiers are doing at the foot of the cross, you will see the, I'll call it the evolution of board games over the centuries because they seem to always put in a new board game Like what, and especially in the Middle Ages, the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th centuries, they get crazy and they have like spinners and pieces are moving around. And it's not like it's checkers. That's earlier. But it's just, what is, what are they playing? I have no idea. And it makes me wonder if an artist were to do the crucifixion today, you know, like when I was a kid, they'd probably have them with Monopoly or something like that. But today, would they have them, you know, like with their phones out playing Candy Crush or something? I, or, uh, you know, or uh, what did you say, Laura? A Nintendo, Switch. a Nintendo Switch, yeah. They might have a, oh, no, that's too, too long ago, a Wii. But uh, that's, 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 that's out of date now. Gaming is, goes too quickly these days. But Above his head, they posted a written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. You see that it, the letters, can you read the letters from where you are? Yeah. Famously, what are they? I-N-R-I. So what does that stand for? Jesus How do you get king out of I-N-R-I? Yeah, rex, exactly. Jesus Nazarenus, rex Uderorum. Um So this is Jesus. Now, the, the full placard, um, if you want to pick it apart, you have to go to all four Gospels. So Matthew, and, and they all have a piece of it. None of, none, of the, none of the four Gospels has the whole thing. They all have a portion of it. So Mark just has the king of the Jews. Matthew adds, this is Jesus. Luke also agrees and has, just has this is the king of the Jews. So There's definitely a definite article at the beginning there somewhere. And then John, after Jesus, has the genitive of Nazareth king of the Jews. So you put them all together and you get four pieces. Matthew and Luke, this is. Matthew and John, Jesus. John of Nazareth and then all of them, the king of the Jews. So that would seem to be the whole thing. I have that on your sheet on the middle of the front page of the handout. Uh, The whole thing is kind of laid out for you there. Um, This is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Oh, for the Latin? Sure. Well, I mean, yeah. Why use English if Latin will do? Yeah. That I've been I've been using that expression my whole ministry. I got that from Mark Jeske. Anybody know who he is? Mark Jesky. Grace. He's the he was he was the host. or Is he still? No. He was the host of Time of Grace. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, Mark. Um, he was pastor in the inner city of Milwaukee when I was a vicar in the inner city. And so he was just a guy in my circuit. St. And uh, he was at St. Marcus. I was at the other Salem, the one that you've never heard of. Um, everybody always goes, oh, yeah, I know, Saint, I, I, know, I know Salem, Milwaukee, but it's the other Salem, Milwaukee, not the one you know. But he made that joke in a circuit meeting one day. Why use English if Latin will do And I've never forgotten it. I say it all the time. Yeah, oh. very ornate before they Oh, yeah, interesting. That's where, that's where I used to go to church, was downtown Milwaukee at that old okay. building. Okay. And I remember saying once I remember watching Time of Grace, he's, that just looks like you know, know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I want to get to the whiteboard here. In a sec- oh, that's where my pop went. <laughs> Two hours ago I set that down. I lost it. I lost track of it. I'll keep it here. I bet my whistle. At the same time, two criminals were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. People who so the, the people begin to jeer him. And the first group of people to mock him are just the ordinary folks passing by. Uh, so that was the Roman genius of crucifixion, if I can call it that. They would do it in a public place, which is why we know it was near a gate of the of city and on the road because they wanted people to see the crucifixion and know what happens if you break the rules. Well, that's what happens if you break the rules. So people who passed by kept insulting him, shaking their heads and saying, you who were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, remember that was his accusation? They say, save yourself if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. So the people had known this terrible Terrible uh, mocking and jeering. Yeah, go ahead. Mark. Sounds like the devil when he was Jesus. It does sound exactly like the devil when he was tempting Jesus. There is too much in the account of the passion to unpack in a lifetime of sermons. It, there's just so much to, to, to get out of it that I'm glad that we do a lot of Good Friday, Maundy, Thursday preaching. Um, but there's, there's just so much. How could you ever how could you ever talk about it all? It's just uh, but the same is true though, of, of, of the Psalms, of Genesis, of Esther, of all of it. There's so much to talk about. Um, in my little insignificant piddling daily devotions, I, sometimes I feel like I'm barely scratching the surface. and I know full well when I do a, a verse in my daily devotions, I'm probably never going to get back there. That was it. You know, so my grandmother used to, used to chide me because the devotions, in her opinion, were too long. And she was 102 years old, and I get why she thought my devotions were too long. But, because each one is, actually, if you read it out loud, it's about a half of a sermon. Any one of my devotions these days? You know, seven, eight minutes? It's about a half a sermon. Um, and, uh, and Grandma thought they were t- But it's, in my opinion, they're usually not long enough. I wish I could do more. I often feel about the Word of God the way, did you ever see Schindler's List? At the very end of the movie, he takes off a ring from his hand and he goes, I could have, this could have saved three more people you know he just realizes that he didn't he he spent his whole fortune saving jews from the extermination camps and he realizes i could have i could have done even more and he starts to weep at the end of the and i i i, I sometimes think almost that when i've when i've clicked send on my devotion every day because i could have said so much more about this but this is how much time i have in a day you know I want to get to tomorrow. And I want to, I want to try to finish the Bible before I either am dead or retire. You know, I, you know, you only have so much time. I want to get through it. So, in the same way, the chief priests, experts in the law, and the elders kept mocking him. So they come out. They said he saved others, but he cannot save himself. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross. And, We will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he wants him, because he said, I am the son of God. So let him deliver him if he delights in him. Is that Handel or is that a different oratorio? He trusted in God that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him if he delight in him. Then the tenors. He trusted in God that he would deliver him. Let's hear the <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go on. But you mock me, madam. <laughs> but we'll, we'll move on. We sang all of Handel in my high school, all of Handel's Messiah, in a three-year cycle. I got to sing all of the tenor and alto solos, um, and one or two of the bass parts in my time in high school. Pretty cool. But I went to a pretty progressive public high school. You know, Half the staff was Missouri Synod, so we, we got to do stuff like that sometimes. Pretty cool. Um, all right. Uh, in the same way, even the criminals who were crucified kept insulting him. I have more to say about that later, okay, but the criminals. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.